Welcome to the Transformational Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Anam. My mission is to help you lead more effectively and be an agent of positive change in times of disruption. On this podcast, we interview practitioners and leadership experts and have coaching exercises that you can apply immediately to your work challenges. Together, we learn how to achieve success and create workplaces in a world that work better for all. It's my pleasure to welcome Kevin John Delaney. Kevin is a voracious reader, night owl, musician, husband, father of three, and lives by the words of Helen Keller. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. He is the vice president of learning and development at LinkedIn and the author of A Life Worth Living. Finding Your Purpose and Daring to Live the Life You've Imagined. Welcome to our Transformational Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much. It's fantastic to have you here. And Kevin, you have a fascinating story um, when I was you know, doing the research for our podcast call about how you came to your own purpose. So maybe what we can do is we can start there by you sharing a bit of your story. Sure. I think I've wrestled with purpose, certainly wanting meaning in life for a long time, but the major turning point catalyst for me was about 13 years ago. Life was good, and then it wasn't. I went through six months of serious health issues that ultimately put me in a coma. Doctor said I had 24 hours to live, uh, and obviously something went very well. They put me into a transplant list, and I got to the top of that list and got an organ transplant that saved my life. I came out of that with a very different perspective on life and certainly wanted to make the most of that second chance, if you will. But as I looked around, you know, I didn't see a lot of people I thought were great examples of people living life to the fullest and uh, getting all they could out of life. And so I just at that point said, I want to be very intentional about living a life full with purpose. And that's really been a focus for the last 13 years, certainly. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can only imagine what it's like to get that news. You have 24 hours unless we can get you a transplant. And I'm just curious, like what was going through your head at that point in time? I didn't get to hear that. I was already in a coma. And so things, you know, over the six months I'd had heart failure a few times. I'd had four surgeries. I'd had a number of issues, but I knew something was dramatically this different this time. And I remember asking the doctors myself before I went into the coma, what are the odds here that I'm going to die? My mom was in the room at the time. She said, don't be ridiculous. And the doctor stopped her and said, well, actually, the the odds are quite high. Uh, So I had that there floating around, but kind of went into a coma pretty quickly thereafter. Then days later, the doctors met with my family to say, we're getting to the end, body shutting down, it's not going well. And sort of the home run swing, if you would, uh, was putting me on the transplant list. But certainly, I think the good news, and I think I see this as a positive, I think everybody should have the advantage of hearing that news because it definitely changes your perspective and gives you a heightened sense that life is fragile, life is precious, and frankly, Everyone today might be in their last 24 hours without knowing it. And I think that that's the disadvantage is most people believe we have this endless supply of tomorrows. We don't. But I have that very clearly top of mind that I don't know how many days I get. So I'm going to be very intentional about making sure I live life to the fullest and you know don't end up with regrets. 
Yeah. And what a year in 2020 to really come to a realization that human life is fragile. And so I'm really grateful that your book is coming out at a time when a lot of people are doing that personal reflection around meaning and purpose and how they can be purposeful, especially at a time that is so disruptive for so many. When 2020 hit, I really thought it could easily turn into the lost year where everybody was just sort of waiting it out, waiting to see what happened. And so one of the things that I thought was advantageous for me is by intentionalizing, okay, it's time now that no matter what else happened, at least I will have accomplished that goal to you know write and publish my book in 2020. If nothing else happens other than we learn to shop with Instacart and stay at home a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So one of the things that I talked about in my book, Wired for Disruption, which I actually launched in the middle of the pandemic because I sat myself down, right, when we all went into lockdown in March. And I thought, how can I be purposeful during this time? And for me, the answer was, how do I bring the combination of what brings me joy, what I have in terms of talents and skill sets, and what the world needs as bringing them together to serve a greater purpose. And so to me, the book was to enable people to really connect with the agility that is already inside of them and to have tools to be able to exercise it. So that was sort of my personal sense of bringing purpose. And and I will tell you that it really served me well personally because it helped me focus on all the things that were positive, right? The things that were meaningful rather than uh, fear and anxiety that I know a lot of us also suffer from. So what is your personal definition of purpose? Yeah, I mean, I think I was one of those people too in my 20s where I thought, okay, it's time. Uh, I'm waiting for the clouds to part, waiting for the big life purpose to reveal. And I came to the conclusion ultimately, thankfully, that I think we were asking the wrong question. It's not what is my life purpose, but what are my life purposes? And I realized that I have very different seasons of life we all do. And what I had available to me and things I was wrestling with in my 20s were far different in my 30s and my 40s, along with the passions and resources. So I realized that there was moments of purpose in life when I was a musician. There were moments of purpose when I was a coach for basketball and swimming and diving. Certainly when I had kids, there was a whole new opportunity of purpose. And so I realized that you you can find purpose in far more avenues than I had ever given it credit for. In fact, I think it's a disservice at times to think about, I'm waiting for my, the revelation of my one true purpose, because I think people sit on the sidelines waiting. And I'm a believer, like pick one, pick any purpose. And if you find a better one next month, great upgrade. But in the meantime, you'll be in the game, you'll be in the arena, you'll be doing. And I find that, you know, the old adage, it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. Hmm. If you're moving towards purpose, chances are other doors and other opportunities and other relationships will open, which might lead you ultimately to a purpose that is more expansive or more, you know, something about you're more passionate about. But hey, move. I love that. Yeah. So I have lots of purposes. And so certainly I found purpose in writing. I found purpose in sharing that piece of the story. But I also find in every role at work with my family, with my neighbors, you look out the door and you realize 
There's so many places you can find purpose. And that's really where I went with the book is that there are way more possibilities of purpose than my original thought of waiting for the clouds to open in my big revelation of my one purpose in life. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful because what I get is that there is lots of abundance of opportunities for you to make yourself useful in a way that is also joyful for you and be on the lookout for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I really resonated um, with a message in your book about these different kinds of purposes, because in my book, Wired for Disruption, what I share is the neuroscience of when we shift our own mind-body from a neuroscience perspective to our more empathic neural network, which is the part of our brain that is more connected to others and more curious and more creative, that that actually helps us be much more agile. And I'm curious about if you did in your book uh, any research around uh, the neuroscience around purpose. It didn't start there, but certainly came into the picture because when you look at purpose, it started pure and simple from a, I want purpose and I want meaning. Uh, You stumble on, you think like Nietzsche saying, uh, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. And it's like, okay, certainly a shaping event for me or shaping influence was Viktor Frankl. His book, Man's Search for Meaning, I think speaks so highly. He was a psychiatrist and he was a neurologist. And he also then was a prisoner at Auschwitz and found that it wasn't the unbearable, horrible conditions, but it was when people lost sight of hope for the future. And he said, it's not circumstances in life that make it unbearable. It's simply a lack of meaning and purpose. And he ultimately moved into sort of what he called logotherapy. And the primary piece of that is the primary motivation for people is to have meaning in life. And if you extend that into current research, there's a lot of work actually on a health side in the purpose in life research that suggests uh, actually that you can find great brain protection when people have a higher sense of purpose in what they're doing. And it's resulted in lower cases of Alzheimer's, lower cases of heart attacks, lower cases of stroke for those who have a high index of purpose in life. And so as I was pursuing at it out of the, I want meaning in life, as Viktor Frankl said, that seems to be the driver. Really good to find out that the research also suggests, no, there's actually some really important health benefits, particularly in age-related cognitive decline with people who have a much higher sense of purpose compared to those who don't. I was not aware of that. That is amazing. Really amazing. And I'm sure hopefully very motivating for all of our podcast listeners to really go about discovering their many, many purposes. And so what are the different kinds of purposes that you talk about in your book? Because I know that you've got them sort of in various categories. And I'd love for you to share that with our podcast audience. I've talked to thousands of people and polled thousands of people along the way as I've talked on the subject. And I found that in audiences, about 70% of people say, I do not know what my purpose in life is. But 30% do. And certainly there's some incredibly powerful stories of people who are single-minded in their focus. Uh, Andrew Carnegie comes to mind. You know, he had a very clear perspective. He was grew up in poverty. Life was changed when he had access to a personal library of somebody. But he set two clear goals to be the overarching purpose of his life. First, The first half of my life, I will um, become as wealthy as possible. The second half of my life, I will give all that wealth away. 
and he became the richest person in America. And then he gave it all away, set up the public library system, Carnegie Hall, Carnegie Mellon University. So great power for somebody who had that single-minded purpose. So I love the fact he wrote it down. That's probably the cleanest takeaway I find from single-minded purpose. But I was very relieved, much like I hope the 70% of people who say, I don't have a single-minded purpose. I found that you can get purpose in a moment. Uh, You can get purpose by giving wings to other people's purpose. You can find unexpected purpose. You can find personal purpose. So to unpack a few of those things. So for example, in a moment of purpose, there's a man named Francois LeBaire who has multiple sclerosis. He's in a wheelchair. He was waiting for a bus in Paris. The bus came, everybody filed on, and there was no room left for Francois, even though there's a designated place for people with disabilities. The bus driver noticed this and stopped, got up and asked everybody to get off the bus. He then went and helped Francois onto the bus. And then he turned to the crowd and said, there was a place for him that nobody made room. So you all wait for the next bus. There's a place for him. And I think in that moment, a single moment, you can bring purpose to somebody. And particularly when you think about people with disabilities can often be the invisible people of society overlooked. But he stopped and basically said, I see you, you're important, there's a place for you. That to me captures the possibility of what, you know, a moment of purpose. And you can look for those in life. Yeah. And and I just want to pause here because as we think about doing this podcast during the pandemic, there are so many opportunities to find these moments of purpose. Mm -hmm whether that is inclusion, right? We are all confronting uh, in the workplace, in our work lives, that this crisis, I don't know if I want to call it a crisis of inclusion, but it's actually, we've all kind of had this moment of collective reflection with um, social justice issues and including people of color and having them feel a sense of belonging. And so uh, something as small as, taking a pause and asking somebody who does not feel included or even becoming aware who is feeling included in a team meeting can be a moment of purpose for somebody. Absolutely. And when you think about the workplace, one of my other favorite parts when you think about give wings to other people's purpose applies at work so much. And the story that underlined this for me, I was reading article obituaries of all things, but Nellie Lee desired to be a writer She moved to New York City to be closer to the publishing capital of the world, found that New York was really expensive, had to work two jobs in order to make ends meet, had no time left to write further from her dreams than ever. She met a guy named Michael Brown, uh, and he had a unique job. He, He wrote industrial musicals. So think Broadway for like corporate events. And he was very successful, had a Christmas party, and he invited Nellie. And when he was giving gifts, he pointed her to the tree, and there was an envelope there waiting. And he said... In essence, I want to give you the gift of a year's salary to free you up to go write whatever you want to write. Merry Christmas. She went on to go and take that incredible gift freed up. And the book she wrote uh, became To Kill a Mockingbird, which went on to be a Pulitzer Prize winning 40 million copies sold, 750 still sold, 750,000 sold every year. It's an amazing journey that he freed her up. But when Michael Brown died, his obituary read, you know, Michael Brown Industrial Musical gave wings to Mockingbird. And I love this concept that if at the end of my life, my headline sort of read, hey, Kevin Delaney gave wings to this person to accomplish great things. That's a pretty good headline. And so I think we can find 
great purpose in giving wings to other people in the pursuit of their dreams. And in the workplace, there's a lot of people with a lot of dreams inside the corporate America and outside. And if we can find, particularly as managers, a way to give wings to people in their pursuit of their passions and dreams, there's great purpose in that. And it's rich. Yeah. Yeah. That is so inspiring. And I, I love the storytelling in your book really compelling stories of people who've um, found an exercised purpose in all of its various forms. And so I'm now curious, let's turn the lens back on you, Kevin, and tell me about your purpose as it relates to the workplace. And how are you finding purpose? Tell us a little bit about your day job. Yeah, uh, the best learning and development at LinkedIn. And uh, we approach learning in a very unique way. Oftentimes, Learning's kind of over there in the corner, but uh, we believe that people are at their best when they're learning. We believe that when you're learning, you're curious. When you're curious, you're engaged. When you're engaged, you're energized. What every company wants is their smart people to be curious, engaged, and energized. So we set the table and we throw the net wide. Instead of saying, you know, where are you deficient? That's where we're going to work on your skills. We set the table richly with all kinds of learning experiences, knowing that when you're learning, you're more engaged and you'll share with me what I'm, you're learning and I'll share with you and we elevate the conversation. So we throw the net wide. Yes, we do things like pragmatic, practical prioritization, the necessity of know how we deal with you know, difficult conversations. But we've also done lots of workshops like finding your purpose, where we'll be with people to say, throw the net wide because there's no such thing as work-life balance. Sadly, we've wrestled with that for years, but I believe in real terms, there should be work-life integration. And for a long time, we sort of had this keep your personal life at the door, but that's not real. And and that's certainly not real now. (laughs) My bedroom door is really my work home. Work will certainly intrude on your personal life. And it's only fair to assume your personal life should reciprocate. And at times you need to be at those important events in life. And consequently, I think if managers and if people in the companies realize everybody's going through hard stuff, some people just hide it better than others. But when we put this facade that we keep our personal life outside the workplace, I think we miss the greatest opportunity to give wings to other people, to encourage them, to help them grow, to help them develop. And so I look at the workplace and particularly as I look at what I do in learning and development, I want to give people the tools to get them engaged and energized because that's what purpose does. It engages you. It's the opposite of apathy. It creates possibility. So I think of the workplace as the ultimate arena where you can find unexpected moments of purpose, moments of purpose, give wings to other people in their purpose, even have single-minded purpose. All the different ways I think about leaning in on purpose. It is the arena where you have umpteen relationships available provided you are willing to let the real life in and kind of forget that, keep personal life at the door. So we approach learning that way. We approach real life that way, bring your whole self to work. And I think because of that, we've had really authentic, genuine conversations in the learning space that I think benefit people both for work and for life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many organizations I see, Kevin, are running to define organizational purpose. You know, some people, the more skeptical people often see that as purpose washing. You know, let me go run, find a purpose and, you know, then everything will be okay. Uh, And then there are organizations that are genuinely committed to their purpose and they put the purpose at the core of what they're doing, their business operations, their decision making, et cetera. And 
are there organizations that you're aware of that are not just working on organizational purpose, but also helping employees link and, you know, discover and link personal purpose to organizational purpose? Because, you know, you could be working for an organization that does great things, but if your personal purpose is not engaged in that, I'm just curious about how that works. Yeah, I think certainly there are some businesses that lend themselves more to what we would see as purpose-filled businesses. Um, I appreciate LinkedIn. We're looking at our mission. How do we create economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce? How do I help people that then can take care of their families and create all those connections? But I think I've seen many people who have jobs, even with nonprofits that seem to be dripping with purpose, and yet they are really unhappy and dissatisfied. And I've seen other people who are truly in the turn the crank widget business where you'd really be struggling to say, where is this a purpose-filled business? And they are rich with it. So I actually think it comes down to the individual to understand how they can contribute to the people doing whatever it is they're doing. I'm here to help the people that I get to interact with. And that's where I th- you can almost get down. There was one other purpose I talked about in the book, unexpected purpose, which fortunate for us, sometimes purpose comes knocking on our door. And my famous favorite example is that is a guy named Don Ritchie lived in Australia and out his window was this beautiful rugged coastline. But unfortunately, it was a place called The Gap became popular for people in despair to go and end their lives. And so here's Don Ritchie drinking his tea, looking out the window and becomes aware that this is a place where people in despair go. And sure enough, he would notice people. He thought, ah, that person just doesn't look right. And he would walk out, go across the street and say, excuse me, is there any way, anything I can do to help you? And over the decades, Don Ritchie is credited with saving hundreds of lives. Sometimes he would physically restrain people when it was clear they were intent on ending their lives. Sometimes you invite them back for tea and he got letters for decades. Literally, the opportunity for purpose was out his window. And I actually think we, too, may have purpose in the person sitting next to us, in the customer that we meet, in the person you have an accident in the parking lot, in the neighborhood that you look outside. And I think... If we are open, as you said earlier, and paying attention, mm. I think that it literally could be in any interaction with anybody in the business. And then it's rich with purpose, regardless of whether you're cranking widgets or bringing clean water to people in you know areas with no access to clean water. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so powerful, Kevin, because there's that element of you have to be paying attention. Like you have to be here now, paying attention to what's happening in your environment with a heart that has a desire to serve, right? And then there's lots of opportunities to serve, right? Because you're paying attention to look for and find those opportunities. And I'm curious about, is there any personal work that you think the 70% of us that, you know, don't have our purpose really clear, is there any personal work that we have to do to develop that part with an intent to serve. Yeah, I mean, I think there's great wisdom in the concept. I think originally in a business format was Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People in a goal setting. We said, begin with the end in mind. But I actually think, take that out of a business context and put it into a life context. Bronnie Ware was a nurse that, you know, served with people dying at the end of their life and came up and wrote a book, very famous, you know, The Five Regrets of the Dying. And it very clearly came down that, A, a lot of people die with a lot of regret. 
But it came down to, you know, live the life that you want to live. Don't live for other people. I wish I'd stayed more in touch with people. I wish I hadn't, you know, spent more time at the office. I think it's a really healthy thing for people to begin with the end in mind and say, the last thing you want to do is finish the one wild and precious life you have and realize, yeah, I screwed it up. I have lots of regret. So one is that perspective. It instantly begs the question, well, then what would be a path that would alleviate that regret? Mm. And then intentionality to me is the ultimate piece. I believe deeply in writing things down because your own words staring back from a page saying, I want this, I, I aspire to this, I hope this, I dream this. You find that six months later, two years later, 10 years later, and it stares at you. It's your own voice saying, this was important. Did you or did you not? And the other piece, I believe in short accounts. James Clear did a great job in his book, Atomic Habits, talking about the two-minute rule for goal setting. Every goal that you set should be able to be accomplished in less than two minutes. And so I think breaking down a bite-sized plan to move in the direction of your dreams is clear. And probably one of the practices I found most, I use the entire month of January. I call it my January journey to really reflect back on what went well last year, what I like, what did I not like? Who did I like spending time with? Who did I not? And one practice in particular was great. I literally stopped and thought, all right, five years from now, Kevin Delaney would wish that he had done what over the last five years every single day? Coming up with eight practices that I thought, if I do these things every day, future Kevin will be very pleased. And that was a really healthy exercise. And I actually pull that list up along with my annual goals every single day and read through the whole thing. Because I think a lot of people put time and energy into planning, put it in a drawer, find it in July and go, oh, didn't really do that. I guess I'll get to that, that next year. But when you read your plan for the year every day, somewhere around March, real things start happening like, okay, I'm reading this now every day for 85 days and I still have not taken one step. One of two things has to happen. Get off the couch and go or acknowledge that you've given up, which equals I'm probably setting myself up for regret downstream. Yeah. So write it down, read it every day and be intentional. And I think ultimately, if you begin with the end in mind with those practices, that ultimately keeps it very fresh why you're doing this, because you want to live your one wild and precious life without regret. Yeah, yeah. That is really powerful. This act of spending every single day looking in the mirror and holding yourself accountable to those eight things. And then to reading your plan for the year. I started an accountability practice in um, September of this last year. And it was all about, I have 12 things that I want to be holding myself accountable for every single day. And I give myself a rating and I have an accountability partner. We call each other up at 7 a.m. to say, how did I do on my list? I'm probably not as disciplined as you, Kevin. <laughs> I need an accountability partner. And so I'm curious, would you care to share what some of those eight things are. Yeah. And this is where it gets to be sort of like the who you are and what's important to you to make sure you're doing it. So strangely enough, the first one of the daily practices is to do the review of my entire annual plan. Yeah. So that's top of mind from a spiritual practice. You know, I, I read, I pray, I read the Bible every day, just as a grounded spiritual practice every day. Yeah. Music's still very important for me. You know, I plan on going to law school, bagged on that to pursue the dream of a rock and roll star. And, you know, found out why they call it starving musicians. Music's still really important. So I play musical instruments every day intentionally. 
It feeds your soul in some way. It does. And learning yeah. is really important. So what I found in a weird way is learning to play a new instrument is a really good process because it's healthy to be reminded that, you know, man, you could be terrible at something, but progress, I believe, is imperative to the human condition. Yeah. And there's nothing more demonstrably clear than I don't even know how to hold this instrument to it's making noise to I'm playing songs to I'm very comfortable. So every couple of years, I learned to play a new instrument just to go back and repeat that. So that's a piece of my journey. I believe in feeding your mind. You got to have new ideas. If you're living on yesterday's knowledge, uh, it atrophies. So I read books every single day. Every single day, I will exercise. I've been grateful for the Peloton in the last 12 months that I can get on that every single day so that there's physical activity. Yeah, that's amazing. So feeding your mind, feeding your body, feeding your spirit, in ways that really energize you. Yeah. That's great. What are some of yours? You had 12. I'm curious. So there is definitely the physical exercise. It's on my, you know, at least 30 minutes of cardio or, and or 10,000 steps. So there is the spiritual. And for me, the spiritual practice is my mindfulness practice and Kundalini yoga. Both of them really help me feel open-hearted, which is very important to me. The third area that is about eating, (laughs) eating healthily, which is really important for me. And so I think there are several that are related to well-being. There is definitely one related to, did I write the three things I'm grateful for? The Another area is, did I write and progress my top three priorities for the day? Because focusing on the top three priorities and really spending some time thinking about what's really important, I think, is sort of my accountability for am I moving ahead toward the goals that are important to me? And so absolutely, I think that there's a lot of overlap between your list and my list. And I want to say how fun it has been to have this conversation with you, Kevin. I wish that, you know, this was a uh, video interview. So the podcast listeners, our audience could see how much energy you have. And so what is the best way for them to connect with you and connect with your book? The book's available on Amazon. Uh, I have a personal blog where I do more of my sort of writing on anything, which is just kevinjohndelaney.com. So certainly can connect with me on LinkedIn. Go to kevinjohndelaney.com and you can connect with me there. And I would be happy to chat or talk to anyone about any of this. Some obviously I'm passionate about and love it. And my hope is that everybody would find more purpose and live the life they've imagined. Thanks for listening. This is your host, Hannah Anam. Please rate, comment, and share our podcasts with those you care about. Be the leader who helps others grow and thrive in times of disruption. You can visit our website at www.transformleaders.tv. There, you'll find other great tools to grow your leadership and be a force for good in these times. Until the next time, my friends.